Harvest Muskoka, Harvest Prairie Sound, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, if you throw your hand up, we'd love to get a Bible into your hand. If you forgot your Bible, didn't bring your Bible, grab one of these. If you don't own a Bible, for sure grab one of these as our gift to you that you can take home and spend time in the Word. But grab a copy right now. Open up to Ephesians chapter 5. As you turn to Ephesians chapter 5, um, this morning's topic is a bit of a heavy topic, but it's also something we need to talk about as a church because it's being talked about everywhere else. In fact, it's been said that pornography, pornography is the modern day story of cigarettes. The person said that he means this, he means as a whole, culture has absolutely no idea how destructive it is, but years from now, we probably will. In fact, I would say this, that culture just now is beginning to see the devastating impact of pornography. And in our day and age, I would say this, it's the greatest moral crisis facing our church today. Not just society as a whole, but right here in the church. It's the, the greatest internal moral crisis in our church. We live in a generation, in a time where an entire generation of men have been immersed in a sin that's damaging minds, souls, relationships, and culture at large. And listen, it's not just a man's problem anymore. Increasingly, we're seeing women, stats growing. For for women, it used to be the the struggle was more of an emotional struggle. There was kind of that emotional uh, uh, heart pornography, really, of of romance novels. And that sort of thing that would draw a woman's heart in. And, And yet what's been happening is the statistics have been growing as women are being drawn deeper into it. Fifty Shades of Grey was marketed, not to men, that was marketed to women. To draw women into this as well. And that number is growing. Now this morning, I'm going to be talking, uh, a lot of what I'll be saying will sound like it's mostly directed towards men because that's where the greatest struggle is, but I don't want you to feel as though I'm missing something here that, that I don't understand. Listen, that there are ladies here in this room who could be struggling with this. In fact, I would say this, even more so than men, the shame attached to it is even greater. And if you're here this morning as a a young lady or a woman or a married woman or an older woman struggling with this sin, listen, there's hope, there's grace, there's freedom, there's forgiveness. I know that there are many different types of sin represented across this room that each one of us will struggle with, but but through my years of pastoring and, and before pastoring, working with college students, there is no sin more pervasive than the battle of pornography. I mean, what we have to realize is that, that times have changed, that, that, that who I was growing up as a kid, maybe you, you were if you are my age growing up, things have changed. Things have changed dramatically. In 2014, broadband internet was available for 97% of Canadians. In 2017, nearly 80% of Canadians own smartphones. So so has pornography been a part of of our world for a long time? Yeah, it has, but the sheer magnitude now where it's anywhere, 24-7, millions of options available. How easy, how anonymously you now can engage in pornography so different today than it was years ago. 
When I was a kid, you had to stumble upon somebody's dad's magazines hidden in a drawer under a bed. You, you had to walk into the, the convenience store and, and take a peek at the magazines or the top rack, right? And that, that, was, that was about it. That was your opportunity. I can't imagine what it's like to be a young kid growing up in our time who has never not known a world without the internet and the temptation that it brings it's this, it's this rare temptation. There's not many temptations like pornography in, the, in this. When, when lust fills your heart, there can be an opportunity where there's no gap between the lust that comes, the temptation that comes, and my ability to go after that lust. My heart fills it, instantly reach, grab for a phone, and I can meet that temptation's needs. It's why one in five mobile searches are for Pornography. One in five. According to a study done in 2004, they, they tracked internet traffic for the month of May, and in month of May in 2004, porn sites were visited three times more than Google, Yahoo, and MSN search combined. The average for those exposed to pornography today is under 11 years old. Nine out of 10 boys, six out of 10 girls are exposed to it before they're 18. So think about this, mom and dad. Are you talking to your kids about this? Like I realized that we sent an email out to parents saying, hey, we're gonna be talking about a fairly heavy subject. We're gonna be talking about pornography. And, and, and maybe this morning they'll go, man, I didn't get that email. I wonder if I should, is my kid too young to hear this? I'm saying this though. It, it, find the age where it's appropriate. What to share is appropriate. Begin talking about these things with your kids. Do you talk about modesty in your home? Do you talk about sex? I mean, so long gone are those days of, I gotta have the talk with my kids. It's not the talk anymore. It's now talks, plural. We need to have talks about this kind of thing. Listen, don't let your kids figure this out on their own. Don't let your kids come home one day and go, mom, dad, What's this porn stuff? I just saw something in school. Don't let them discover. We need to be proactive in this. Begin to press in on this. Have the talk. This morning, I want us to dig into a couple of things this morning as we talk about this. We're gonna dig into the ugly truth of pornography, but we're also gonna dig into the hope of the gospel in fighting this battle the hope of the gospel in fighting this battle. First point this morning then, the ugly truth of pornography. The ugly truth about pornography. Now, we know it's everywhere. We just heard that the stats are crazy. When you start to dig into the stats of, of pornography, it's everywhere. So I recognize that this morning, as we talk about it this morning, that this is one of those awkward sermons where feet can shuffle a little bit, right? where not many people are going to go, amen, right? We're across this room. If stats are what they say they are, and I believe they are because I've seen it lived out in my counseling and as I meet with people, that, that there are many people across this room right now where this is an awkward sermon for you because it not only is it a sin that you struggle with, but it's a secret sin you struggle with. And so feet start shuffling. You start thinking, I hope we don't talk about this sermon on the way home. But as you're thinking that, listen, listen, we're gonna talk about the ugly truth of pornography, but hold on, because we're also going to get to the hope of the gospel, that there is hope 
that there is freedom. But what's the ugly truth first? You know, for years, Christians have been called regressive and prudes as it comes to this kind of thing, this kind of sin. You know, man, you guys just need to get with the times. Like, why, why you, you want to keep us back in like the 1950s? Like, come on, this is a modern day. It's a modern world. and You need to loosen up. Well, well, now it seems that social scientists are catching up with what God's word has said all along, that pornography is destructive. Doctors and researchers compare the addictiveness of pornography to cocaine and heroin. Here's why it's more dangerous than those, though. Unlike those drugs, you can get it for free, you can get it anonymously, and that destructiveness can be hidden for a lot longer. Without getting crazy technical, the stuff I was reading this, this week where, where scientists are now discovering that our, our, our brains are actually rewired by pornography, that we're wearing down pathways in our mind. The more we pursue this, the more we look at this, as your brain releases dopamine in your, in your mind, because what it's doing is your mind now says, that's the avenue, that's the pathway I go for pleasure. And you wander that pathway over and over again, just like a, a trail in the forest. The more it's walked on, the, more, the wider it gets, the deeper it gets and our brains are being changed by this and that pathway as it grows wider and deeper makes it even more addictive. And like any drug, just like any drug, pornography becomes more and more addictive. I need more of it. I need more of it. I need more of it. You can't just dabble in this. It's not, I'll just have a little bit over here, but that should be fine. Like nobody says, oh, I'll just, I'll just try just a little bit of that meth. That'll be kind of nice to have. No one does that. Yeah, we do it with pornography, not realizing that, that, that now even scientists, doctors are saying, man, this stuff is dangerous. It's, it becomes more addictive. And just like in the, any other drug, your mind becomes deadened to it. So not only do you need it more often, you need more of it and you need deeper kinds of it. You need, you need different, more exciting. Just to feel the same high. Listen, sex was designed by God as a way to bring this bond between a husband and a wife. Because what happens scientifically in sex is that you're actually bonding with that thing that brings, that when the, that pleasure comes, you're bonding to what that is before you. And it's supposed to be bonding with your spouse, but what's happening in porn, you're now bonding with a screen. You're bonding with something that's not real. This addictive uh, part of pornography is why in counseling, I hear over and over and over again, people say, I can't believe how deep this has taken me. I can't believe how far I've gone in this. As you seek out more and more, go deeper and deeper into depravity, needing harder types of pornography. And here's what happens. You find yourself drawn to things that used to repulse you. In fact, Dr. Jeffrey Satinover of Princeton University said this, it's as though we have devised a form of heroin usable in the privacy of one's own home and injected directly into the brain through the eyes. This rewiring makes it a difficult sin to overcome when you've been steeped in it for a long time. But not only does it affect our minds, listen, it also damages our relationships 
I mean, start to think about the lies that porn is trying to, to get us to believe, is training our minds and our bodies to believe. It, porn is trying to get us trained up in believing that a person is just a body, that a person is just a tool for sex. You're my object for pleasure, and that's all you are. And what happens is people now, men find it hard to see women differently. I love how 1 Timothy says, hey, hey, men, treat older women like moms. Treat younger women like sisters. Pornography's destroying that. You, you stay steeped in it so long, now your mind is so drawn to it that they become objects and it becomes difficult for you to see them in any other way. You're training your heart and your mind to see people as sex objects. Another lie that porn tells us is that your personal gratification becomes your number one priority in sex. It, it trains us to, te- to treat sex selfishly. It's all about me. It's what I get out of this. When you pursue porn, it's the ultimate in selfish act. And it trains us to see sex in that way when God designed it so much differently. Researchers are also seeing the the direct correlation between pornography and damaged lives in marriage. Look, more porn equals less love. A porn habit just begins to take on this serious toll in a person's ability to, to, to offer themselves in any sort of real, deep, unselfish, meaningful love. So much so that, that if, if I'm in a counseling session, how much does it damage marriage and relationships? When I'm in a counseling session and someone begins to talk about their marriage being distant and cold and we never connect and there's nothing there and I don't know why, just there's no depth to it. I now don't ask him a lot of questions. I'll just ask the guy, hey, how long have you been struggling in pornography? It's damaging relationships. I mean, think about the fact that if most young people today have been exposed to pornography in junior high, now think about a junior high boy first exposed to pornography, now spending years, a decade being trained in this, a decade being lied to in this, a decade in the classroom of pornography, you don't think it's going to affect marriages here in this room? It's, it's not just that you're training for the wrong sport, it's you're losing your ability to play any sport at all. You're not pursuing the right things. Listen, I, I feel so strongly about this. If a guy wanted to marry one of my three daughters and I said, hey, are you battling with pornography? I am right now, I'm battling with it. I'd say, then you know what? You're not marrying one of my daughters. Listen, I'm not saying, have you battled with it and you have victory in it? That, that's great. That's the grace of God. That's awesome that God does it. I'm saying, right now, if you're caught in it, right now, a cycle of, I just go to it regularly. Listen, it's going to be destructive. It's harming men's ability to be husbands and fathers. As men become more disengaged, more selfish, Many men now are talking about this as they're sharing their testimony. They're saying, it's actually become harder as my daughters got older, they'll say, and as my daughters became teenagers and they started to look like the very thing I was lusting after every day. It's, like, it's so difficult now to have a deep, meaningful relationship with my own kids. It's destroying families. Listen, it destroys our hearts, destroys our relationships. It's destroying our world. Let me say it this way, to click on that site 
you're contributing to abuse and sex trafficking. I, I just gotta, as plain as I can say it, to click on that site, you are contributing to abuse and to sex trafficking. The testimonies of women in pornography will make you weep. You go on some of these sites, triplexchurch.com, where they, they, they talk about porn stars who are being saved out of the porn industry. You go on Covenant Eyes, where they'll share some testimonies. You go on this new website now that, that uh, Russ showed me called Fight the New Drug. Not a Christian site, but this is a, a secular site. They say, we're not religious, we're not political. We just see this as destroying people. And they have testimonies of these porn stars, and they'll make you weep as they're abused abused emotionally, abused physically, damaged by this industry. Many entering into the industry with a past of sexual abuse, and this is where it draws them in. In fact, one porn producer said this, even those who are not broken to start with would start to be broken down by the business. He said it this way, I'd watch the light go out in their eyes. Story after story of women weeping, drug-addicted, when you click on that site, you're putting money into the hands of abusers, sex traffickers, and pimps. So many women led into the industry against their will, threatened, beaten, traumatized. Why? Because it's all about the money. It's all about how much money you're gonna make. You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought so many porn sites are free. Like the, the ones I go to, you don't have to pay to go in. Yeah, but you're paying those advertisers who advertise on that site, putting more money in, encouraging the advertisers to pay more money so that somebody might be assaulted and abused and you're complicit in that. It doesn't take a lot of research to see that Pornography damages our heart, it damages our families, it damages our world. Listen, I don't say all this to knock you down. I don't say all this to cause shame or discouragement. I mean, if you're caught right now in the grip of pornography, but I do say this, here's why I'm saying all of that, because Satan operates as an angel of light. <laughs> he wants so much to convince you it's not that bad, it's not that awful. I want to tell you the truth. It is that bad. It's killing your soul, Scripture would say. It's killing your soul, science would say. It's, it's damaging your marriage. It's hurting so many people, people in your life and those who you're using for your own sexual gratification. I want to expose pornography so we can see that scripture has been pointing out a truth that now scientists, sociologists, psychologists are finally starting to realize how harmful, how controlling, how destructive, how dominating this particular sin is. In fact, in the early church, you know, Paul wrote letters to different churches. If you read the letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians, in that church, Paul dealt with a very specific sexual sin. What was going on in that culture where the church was in Corinth, there was this temple up on a mountain and part of the worship of that temple was through sex. And so what would happen is that temple filled with temple prostitutes, every night they would come down from the mountain and flood the city to bring men and women with them to participate in what was going on in the temple. And so, so Paul plants a church there. Now you got this church filled with new Christians and Christians who that was the culture they were immersed in. That's the culture they came from still participating in. And Paul writes this letter going, what are you doing? You, you're one with Christ now. When you go to that prostitute, you're bringing Christ with you, he says in 1 Corinthians. I think if Paul were to write a letter today, 
I don't think many of us struggle with temple prostitution. But if Paul were to write a letter today, I'm telling you, he would zero in on this sin. He would write about porn. He, he says in 1 Corinthians 6 that, that when you sin, you're sinning against your own soul. You're sinning against your own body. And we can see that so clearly now as we see what it's doing. So, so we need to ask, well, what does God's word say? What's God's word say? Ephesians 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. I like that, be imitators of God. We talked about this last week. What, what does that mean to be an imitator of God? It means we walk in love. We, we live like Christ lives. But I love this, be imitators of God as beloved children. Kids imitate different than adults, don't they? If right now, if I got like a group of kids up here on this side of the stage and a group of adults on this side of the stage and I started playing Simon Says, you know which group would be more engaged, right? The kids would be all over, man. They'd be, they'd be into it, all in, hearts in. No embarrassment. The adults would be kind of half-hearted looking around going, this is weird. Why would Pastor Kai make me do this? I don't want to do this. This isn't what I do, right? So self-conscious. I love that we imitate God like kids. Like we're all in. But not just kids, look what it says. Be imitators of God as beloved children. I mean, doesn't that change everything? If you've given your life to Christ, you now follow God as someone who's loved. You, you follow God as someone who can call the creator of the universe dad. I mean, that changes everything. We now imitate God our Father as ones who are loved by God the Father, who can trust when he says, do this, don't do this. He's doing it because he loves us. And he lays down some ways for us to imitate him. And look what he says in verse three. This is God, the Father, lovingly saying, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness or idolatry, is another word for covetousness, must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. He says, this stuff, this sexual immorality, the word there in the Greek is actually porneia. He's talking about different kinds of sex, but again, I said last week how interesting the porn industry just basically calls itself what it is, sexual immorality and impurity where, where you're mixing, I follow Jesus, but I also do this on the side. He said, this shouldn't be anywhere near us. The, the, this pattern of pornography has no place in the heart of God's kids. In fact, look at verse five. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. He's saying this thing, if you practice these things, in the original though, it says the, the sexual immorality, it's given in a way where it has this idea where it's this ongoing thing, where you practice this, where you're constantly in that sin. He goes, when you're constantly, if you're practicing this, you're not living like a child of God. I love how Paul keeps adding in the sin of covetousness. He keeps saying, and idolatry, and idolatry. Listen, because that's what porn ultimately is. It's idolatry. Every one of us are worshipers, and we're gonna worship someone. We, we worship, and what's that mean? We give ourselves away to someone or something or some pleasure or some passion. We give ourselves away, and every time you see an image that you're lusting after, you're a worshiper at that time. You're worshiping. And you're not worshiping the creator God, you're worshiping the created, and that's idolatry. You can't worship Jesus Christ, the creator God, and be into pornography. You can't worship God while worshiping porn. It doesn't work. That's what this verse is saying. You can't do both. 
So, so, so then how do we battle against this? What's it look like to win this fight against pornography? I wanna I want look at it from a couple of perspectives. The, the first perspective we're gonna look at is easier. It's the actions. <clears throat> how do we deal with the actions? The second is more difficult. It's, it's the worship part. How, how do we change our hearts? So hard, but listen, as children of God, that deep heart change can happen. Not on your own. You can't do it on your own. You can't make that change. You can't change your heart on your own. But look at verse eight. For one time you were in darkness. That's who you were before Christ. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. You can't win this battle on your own, but you're not on your own. You're, if you're a Christ follower, you're a children of light. You have Christ in you. So for our second and last point this morning is this. What's the hope of the gospel to fight pornography? What's the hope of the gospel to fight pornography? <clears throat> Heath Lambert, who wrote a great book called Finally Free, if you want a good book to walk alongside with somebody with as maybe you battle with pornography or someone you know, it's called Finally Free by Heath Lambert. He says this about pornography. He says there are basically three things you battle in pornography. And, and if, if, if these are present, if any of these things, things, if they're present, then you'll look at porn every time. If all these three things are here, you will always do it. One, if it's available. Two, if no one will find out. Three, if your heart wants it. If those three things are there, if it's available, if it's anonymous, and if your heart desires it, every time you'll look at porn. So imagine this way, if you're in a room full of pornography, that's our world, by the way, that's where we live. You're alone, no one will ever know about it, and you want to look, you will look every single time. But if we can win one of these three battles, we can win the war. And by the way, this is a war. The, the only way for us to see victory in this is to treat it like a war. This isn't something just, just gentle and kind and, and neat. We can play with it. It's, it's, it's like, it's like you, you found a rabid wolf in the woods and you're like, well, I'm gonna bring him home as a pet. Merry Christmas, kids. Ah, right? <clears throat> and no, no, that's what this is. Pornography is a rabid wolf. You're not gonna make it your pet. You're not gonna, it is a war. You need to kill sin or sin will kill you. So again, imagine you're in this room, you're in the, you've got this huge room, sorry, a pornography, but the door's locked and you can't get in. You've taken away the availability, the war's being won. Or, or again, imagine you're in the room and you, you walk into that room, it's open, but you don't walk in alone this time, you walk in with Pastor Bob. Now what are you gonna do? The war's being won, Right? But imagine this, imagine you go into the room and it's full of pornography and you're alone, but you have no desire for it. And you've won the war. So what's it look like? Let's look at the first two because they're the easier ones. And the last one's gonna take a little longer work, not on, on for us this morning, but for, for us, if you're battling this, it's, it's the harder battle to win, but the victory can be won. But the, the first two, <clears throat> look at verse three. It says in chapter five of Ephesians, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. He's like, don't have it in your life. I like how Romans 13, 14, it says, it says, make no provision for the flesh. Don't have it. Do everything you can to say, this is not coming in. This is not coming into my home. This is not coming into my life. Look at verse eight. 
For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Sin loves darkness, loves for it to be kept secret. But look at verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose them. This is so practical. This is so important. Let's think about it practically, though. How do we get rid of the opportunity and the anonymity? How do we get rid of the fact that I can get it and I can do it and no one will find out? Well, the way we do that is radical repentance. Now, why do I say radical repentance? Because it's going to take a, a great work of doing this. It isn't like, a, oh, I'll kind of repent in my heart between me and the Lord. No, no, the, I'm talking about the actions right now, the action of repentance. We need to tell somebody. If you're listening this morning thinking, man, there's a lot of good information here. If I just listen to this because I've been battling with this on my own, but, but maybe Pastor Kyle will give me some good techniques. And if I listen, man, I, I can beat this. You can't. If you're doing it on your own, you can't. Tell somebody. It's why we have small groups. You can't win this alone. It's why we need community. God wants this darkness to be exposed in the light. And as hard as it is to even think about that, maybe even this morning, this is where the feet start shuffling, like there's no way I could not have this conversation. I've been hiding this for so long. Listen, Jesus will give you the strength to repent. And as painful as it would feel to begin that conversation, you will start to feel the grip of that sin being released as soon as you begin to bring it into the light. Tell somebody. Tell the right people and be specific. Don't just say, yeah, I kind of have this struggle with porn and then let it go. No, no, no. Grab someone you trust and you love and you know that they're a godly person who can walk alongside and say, hey, 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 here's my struggle. Here's how often I battle with this. It's every day. It's every other day. It's, here's when it draws my heart. Listen, when you begin to do that, now, now you can start to really battle and, and rather than just participate in it all the time and then say, sorry, God, listen, that's not a battle. I just was listening to John Piper this week where someone asked, hey, uh, about their battle with pornography. He said, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. When you say battle, what do you mean? If you mean I participated in it every day and then just say, sorry to God, and then participate again and say, sorry to God, participate again, he goes, that's not a battle. You're not fighting at all. You're capitulating and participating in sin. A battle, scripturally speaking, a battle is as we walk and fight towards righteousness. I'm not saying you're gonna be perfect. I'm not saying you'll never fail and fall, but there should be a growing gap in how often and how intense the battle is. We should be growing towards righteousness as we confess, repent, and bring it into the light. Tell somebody, begin this battle. Now, now here's a word for those who will be receiving this conversation. How do, we, how do we deal with this? How do we hear this? Listen, we need to be a church. We need to be a kind of place where it's safe and easy for people to be open. How do we do that? We're open with our own struggles is one way. We don't wear the mask. We don't hide out. We don't pretend we got it all together. No, we share this is my stuff, and that's a place where, where it's okay to be struggling in sin and to talk about it. But it's not okay to keep sin in the dark. It's not okay to hide it. It's not okay to lie about it. It's not okay to defend it. It's not okay to push it aside, but it is okay to lay your heart open because you want purity. You want a heart that worships Christ. I mean, let's be a church where you don't get beat down because you expose sin, but we point each other to the hope we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as I say that, 
And I'm hoping this afternoon there's gonna be some hard conversations. But listen, if you're confessing to your spouse, be completely honest. Be totally transparent about it. Be, be truly repentant. Do not blow this off as something small. I would say this, seek the help of others. Maybe, maybe this isn't something you just want to go like, just do on the drive home with the kids in the car. Here it is, right? Maybe, maybe you want to say, hey, hey, can we go over coffee? And I, I want to see if Pastor Kai or Pastor Lee or Pastor John or someone, and you may want to, I want to see if our small group leader can meet with us because here's the thing, you need to understand how traumatic and how wounding this news will be. Now, listen, I know in just saying that, I just put a roadblock, like, well, I don't know if I can say it. You have to because it's worth it because you're already damaging the marriage. You're already damaging the relationship. You're already causing death to come into it. Speak up and then seek good counsel together. N know that you're not alone in this. And as you're, if you're the spouse and you hear this and it will be wounding, listen, be an agent of grace. Come alongside. Let's pursue the gospel together in this. Healing begins when you take the sin out of the dark, when you talk to someone, when you eliminate the secret, you eliminate the power of porn. <clears throat> Remember this, here's the other thing as far as being secret, the secrets don't last forever. God says, be sure your sin will find you out. It will be exposed. Why do I say that with such confidence? One, because I've seen it happen over and over again. But two, because God says he's a loving father and he loves his kids. What father who loves his kids would see his kids hurting themselves and not do anything about it? Listen, it will come out. It will be exposed by the grace of God. <clears throat> repentance, so, so bring it out in the open. But, but repentance also includes some action. So that's eliminating the, the, the secret of it. We also need to eliminate the availability of it, and that, that happens in repentance as well. What do I mean by that? I mean repentance is a change of heart and mind, but it's also a change of direction. That's what repentance means. It means turning in a new direction. So we want to go into a new direction. So you start to ask yourself, where do I get the porn? I need to end that availability. I need to turn that tap off. If you buy it, you should be more accountable with where your money goes, where someone sees every penny you spend. Everyone, you should be in a place where someone says, I wanna know where you are at all times. So you don't have that opportunity, I'm just gonna sneak out for a bit and pick something up and grab something, but no, that, that someone can say, hey, I wanna know where you were. If, if you use the internet, and you should not have any device, phone, tablet, Xbox, uh, computer, anything that connects to the internet, you should not have it in your home without some sort of software on it some sort of accountability or protection software. I've mentioned Covenant Eyes. It's a great one. Covenant Eyes. Listen, no one, no one should skip this. Listen, if you're here this morning going, well, this is a great sermon, but not in our family. We are holy. My husband just loves Jesus so much this will never happen to him. My kids, all we do is read the Bible all day. That's all we do. I mean, this is okay. We're, listen, no computer, no one in this room should have a computer without this on it. Every phone, every tablet, every computer needs this because, listen, parents, parents, you're opening up a porn shop in your kid's room without that. In fact, someone sent me just a great, something that just came out, it's brand new, only a few months old, I think, because I was looking at their website. You want to look at something really neat, it's called Kids Wi-Fi, Kids Wi-Fi. It's actually a router you put in your home where now it's not the, 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 the devices that are protected, it's actually that you can't get anywhere near the stuff and it's, it's totally accountable. You can look at every device to what they looked at that day. <clears throat> you can get in and just see everything. Fully open, accountability. It's, it's called kids' Wi-Fi. And I'm saying, forget just kids, but if you're married without kids, get that. 
And let somebody have accountability to it that you can look into that. You can set, hey, it's gonna go off, internet shut off at 10 o'clock for these devices. Most pornography is looked at late at night. It is. Kids get it at late at night. Adults go late at night. So, so you can set this thing. So if you don't have anything, if you're a parent, man, I would even write down kids' Wi-Fi right now. I'd be like, I'm getting that. It's like 100 bucks, so cheap. We're gonna get it. I got, it's just such a, a great tool to use. I would say this, though, too, if, you have, if you're a parent with kids, not only do you need to protect your own home, but be careful, be watchful. Hey, where's my kids go? Where do they go spend the night? Whose houses do they hang out at? Have these conversations. You, we need to take radical measures of repentance. Listen, Jesus said this. He says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, obviously, he's, he's using hyperbole here. He doesn't want anybody going home and cutting their hands off this afternoon. Right? But you get what he's saying. He's saying, take the drastic measures to take care of this. Maybe you need to get rid of your smartphone and go back to a flip phone. Maybe you need to get rid of the television because that's where you go now. What are you I can't go without a smartphone. <clears throat> well, Jesus says, fine. You and your smartphone are on the way to hell. He says, it's better to lose your hand and save your soul. I love how this text here in Ephesians 5 is like, don't be partakers. Don't participate in it. Don't have any fellowship with it. Don't even talk about it. They're like zero tolerance. Zero tolerance. Don't pretend. Don't partake. Don't just sort of, don't sample it a little bit, but do everything you can to say, this is cut off. We're not doing this any longer. I'm going to take these measures. I'm getting rid of this. I'm getting rid of that. I'm blocking this. You know what? I don't need this because this is killing me. I'd say this, in counseling, I know if a guy's serious about this by what limits he puts on his repentance. Don't tell me you're serious about this sin if you won't connect in a small group or with accountability partners. Don't tell me you're serious about this sin. Well, yeah, look, I, I know that the iPhone, it can't totally get locked down, but I don't like Samsung phones. Really, really. You're in the midst of this battle and you're gonna put limitations on this. Right, that's the easy stuff. Those are things, I mean, you can take care of that this afternoon. It's done. It's taken care of. You can bring it to the light. You can take care of where I don't have access to it any longer. But here's the, here's the tougher part of the battle. In doing those two things, we still haven't won the war if your heart still wants it. If you have a heart that's seeking after lust, you will find every possible way to find it. Listen, I'm telling you, I've worked with too many people and maybe you're here this morning and you're like, yeah, you know, I battled it before too and I'm just gonna say, yeah, pastor's right. I found every way to get around every single block that somebody put on me. Why? Because our hearts still want it. We're still gonna be drawn to it. Our, our hearts need to change. Now, here's the bad news about saying that. You can't fix your heart. I can't fix my heart. Uh, I can't fix my heart if my heart craves to see people naked other than my spouse or other than your future spouse. You can't change that heart, but listen, here's the good news, Jesus can. Jesus can change your heart. Jesus can change your heart this morning. He, he can change your heart so when you're in that room and you're alone, you won't desire it. When you're in that room and you're alone, you would rather die than watch pornography. You would rather die than sin against your spouse or sin against your body or sin against your future family. And Jesus can make that happen. He can change your heart. He says, you can walk in the light, he says. 
You take those practical steps as you, as you walk away from the temptations, you walk away from the sin, but even more than that, we need to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. We have our hearts fixed on Jesus. Our worship needs to change to where we see Christ, where we see the cross as central to everything. Why is that? Because when we see the cross, we see, number one, the severity of our sin. I mean, there's no greater picture of the penalty for sin than when you think of the cross, of how ugly sin is, how brutal sin is, how hurtful, how painful that it leads to death. That as Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's our sin being poured out on Christ. It's not just making a mistake. It's not just, ooh, I kind of tripped a little bit here. It's an offense to God of the most ultimate, infinite proportions. As a result, as your heart is drawn towards that sin, we need to see the severity of it. We need to see Christ on the cross. On the cross at that moment for what you're participating in. On the cross in that, at that moment for the sins and the brokenness of the person you're using for your own sexual pleasure. I mean, do we understand that, that, that sin breaks God's heart? Do we catch that as God is our father that sin breaks his heart? I mean, I have three daughters. I think of, if any of my girls were treated anything like the women are treated in the porn industry, how broken my heart would be, how angry I would be. God's a father. Our sin grieves him. Don't try to lighten it. Don't try to make it seem small. Don't try to make it seem like it's not a big deal. It is a huge deal. Now, here's the other part of that, though. The cross doesn't just show us the severity of our sin. It also shows us the wonder of grace, that in the midst of that darkness, that we see the grace of Christ at the cross, and, and, and you get to see Jesus, the, the one who raised you from death, the one who changed you and made you clean, the one who said, come unto me, all who are broken and heavy of heart. Come to me if you need rest. Jesus, who brings life into death, who brings light into darkness, there's hope in him. And when you're tempted to get that, that little bit more time with pornography and you, you start plotting out, when, when can I carve out those 15 minutes of alone time where nobody will know, where nobody will see? Instead of plotting and planning, maybe begin to pray, Lord, help me. Verse 18 of chapter five says, do not get drunk with wine. Don't lose control on wine. It says that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't let lust take control of your body. Be filled with the Spirit. Be in the Word. Be in prayer. Be connected with others in community. And I like this. Look at verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. You ever think about using worship as a way to battle pornography? You know, when the temptation comes, you throw a worship song on instead or... I think it would be impossible to gratify yourself watching porn while you're singing, open up the heavens. Lord, I want to see you. Use worship. So he says here, instead of that, start to sing. And our churches and our families and our hearts will be filled with purity when our hearts are filled with Jesus, with worship of him. Because you don't win the battle of pornography by what you stop looking at. You win it by what you begin to look at when you're obsessed with and worshiping Jesus Christ. 
Your goal is not to just stop porn. Your goal is to start worshiping Jesus. Because when you start worshiping Jesus, that's what'll help you stop looking and lusting after pornography. The, the issue is deep. It's, it's not just the activity. The activity is important, but it goes down to our heart. It goes down to the idolatry. Maybe this morning, maybe as you hear this, you go, maybe I don't even know Jesus at all. Maybe I've just been, have this, my whole life kind of cloaked in this religious idea where I come to church, but, but man, I, I see no change in my life. And maybe for you this morning, it's saying, Lord, I need you and want you today. Your forgiveness, your spirit, your, the power of your spirit where you recognize that God has taken, listen, listen, all the sin we've talked about this morning, that God has taken all of your sins, all of your failures, all of those things that, that should make us accountable for judgment. Instead, instead of, instead of taking them and holding them up in front of your face, going, look at what you've done. Look at your sin. He took those sins, placed them in the palm of Christ's hands. He nailed his hands to the cross. I mean, the, the victory of Jesus, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, the fact that he, even in that, even those sins he conquered, that you can stand before a holy God and he'll say, not guilty. I mean, that, that's good news we don't deserve. So what do we do? We, we put our sin to death because Christ died for it. So I would say this, fight and keep fighting. And listen, you're gonna, some of you are, are gonna begin the fight You'll fail. Some of you are in the fight right now and you will fail. Get back up and fight again. It may be a lifelong battle for some people in here. But it doesn't have to be a lifelong series of failed battles. Some of you might say, it's too late for me. I've been in this way too long. It's, it's had a control of my life. I was that young kid who got introduced to it, introduced to it really early. And it's been decades that I've been in this. Listen, it's not too late. Repent, repent now, repent at every point. Turn around, go back, start over, get clean, go to God and say, God, I need you. Talk to somebody, grab somebody, say, would you walk with me in this? Be honest, get the help you need. Listen, it's never too late. There is no pit of sin too deep that God's grace cannot rescue you from. And maybe that starts this morning where you start to see a healing in your heart that brings healing to your relationships that makes you new. Sin does not have the last word. Christ does. Christ does. Would you stand with me as I pray and as the worship team comes up and as we close off in worship? Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear God, for your grace that covers every sin of any severity, of any duration, and God, I pray for your grace this morning to just fall on this place. That God, those who are here this morning whose hearts are so wrapped into the sin, God, that they would be able to, to be able to see your grace, be able to see the sin, that the sin is horrible. But be able to see your grace is amazing. And that you can rescue. And God, that this morning there would be people rescued even this morning. Hearts would begin to be healed. Marriages would be healed. Families would be healed. And God, that it would start today. It would start today as we turn our eyes to you, Lord Jesus, to worship you. To worship you and you alone. And as our hearts are filled with you, that there'll be no room for any other desires. God, fill our hearts like that. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.